record. <laughs> I just, I'm going to hit record. Too many words. No, it's fine. Yes or no? That's fine. Here we go. Dan right. Duran, everybody. Yeah. This episode of Humble and Fred for the last time is coming to you live from La Quinta, California and Panama City, Florida. And is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gage, Canna and GoDaddy. And here are two men who went to America to make things better. And now look, there's a war in the Ukraine. <laughs> Figure it out. It's humble and Fred. All right. Thank you, Dan Duran. And thank you, everyone. Yeah, it's humble and Fred. Tony Clement is uh, standing by. And let's get right to him. Uh, you set this up. And it couldn't be more timely. Not only is it an honor to have access to somebody that has been in government, but uh, you were telling me that Tony is actually at a conference. Yeah, that's right, in Miami, a, a conference on Ukraine, right, Tone? Yeah, hold on. No, you're doing yeah, There you're, we go. Oh, there you go. You look great, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, just, just making sure. Yeah, I'm uh, in uh, Florida International University as we speak. Well, I know one thing. And, this uh, isn't this isn't Muskoka Tony. This is real Tony. <laughs> this is real Tony, exactly. Hold on. I want to make sure my... Uh, are you hearing me okay? Yeah, yeah your audio is yeah, great. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So you were, okay. you're in Florida yeah, so, at a conference. What's, yeah. what's the tone? What's the whole point of it? So I was invited to chair a session actually at this conference, which is called Democracy at Risk Developments in Central and Eastern Europe. And I was invited a month ago. So uh, I, it is in Miami. Uh, it is February in Canada. So I accepted on those grounds if, uh, uh, and hopefully <laughs> to add my, uh, my experience on an international topic. But of course, as we convened, the invasion started in Ukraine uh, by the Russians. And we have a number of Ukrainian delegates here, a number of Russian delegates here, uh, people from uh from georgia the, the, the state of georgia like in georgia in former ussr that country uh, uh from sweden from the nordic countries from germany so uh, it's been quite a i think this morning everybody's just walking around in shock there that there there's i saw a ukrainian delegate who was weeping she was crying obviously very fearful of her own family back in kiev uh, and uh, others are just walking. It's almost like zombie land all of a sudden because uh, people just can't fathom what's happening and happening so quickly. Tony, let's start here. What is the point of it? What's he trying to prove? What, what's, what does he want? I mean, seriously, let's start there and then and then go from there. I don't know. He wants to reassemble the Soviet Empire. He's uh, he's always said he said he's been very Putin's been very consistent over the last 15, 20 years. He thinks that it's been a historic mistake when the Soviet Empire disassembled. Uh, uh, You know, uh, it it, it fell apart after the attempted coup against Gorbachev uh, failed. Uh, He thinks that it's an historic mistake for Russia, Russia by right and by history should be uh, the rulers in Ukraine and in the Baltic states and in, and in the country of Georgia and the, and the Caucasus and so on. And uh, he, uh, he conveys that to the Russian people. And unfortunately, a lot of Russians feel 
that the loss of empire was a catastrophic mistake for them, mm-hmm. and they want it back. And uh, they are, they're buying into his idea that military force can bring these unwilling people who were under the yoke of Soviet communism uh, for much of the last century that uh, military force can bring them back into Mother Russia. So that's what he's that's what he's banking on. So and let's just go back a step before that. I was talking to my older brother the other day and, and he works with some oil companies and has some people that are, you know, sort of doing business in that area. And he tried to explain to me that there are these two sort of factions or resistance in inside of the Ukraine that Putin is using as pretext and please correct me. I know I'm screwing this up. Yes. Using it as a pretext to going there as a peacekeeping or freedom fighting mission. Can you can you explain that? Because I'm I know I screwed that up. But just give me some context and background. Well, there, there's definitely an eastern Ukraine and a western Ukraine, uh, as you would expect. The western Ukraine looks west uh, and has more cultural and historical affinity to Western Europe. Eastern Ukraine has a has more Russian speakers and uh, has traditionally looked east. And so uh, Putin has exploited that. Uh, he, uh, he supported a separatist movement in what is called the Donbass region of eastern Ukraine. Uh, uh, this is uh, back uh, in 2014 uh, and, uh, and supported them as they carved out a little niche for themselves politically that was quasi-independent of Ukraine. And he did it using what were called at the time little green men. These were these were Russian soldiers that had no insignia on them that just sort of dropped into into the Donbass and started uh, enforcing the new order of uh, of uh, Russian backed Eastern Ukraine. So that's been his context. He he Putin has been alleging the last several days that there's a genocide going on against Russian speakers in the Donbass, which is completely fictitious. You have to understand. Putin lies all the time, okay? You can't take anything that he says as truthful. He lies and he lies and he lies again. Uh, and and so he used that as a pretext to say, well, I have to protect uh, Russian speakers. And Tony's uh, who are freezing in a little bit. Yeah. And that became the pretext for the invasion. But, of course, the invasion, uh, sorry, um, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're yep. fine. Yeah, you, just froze, you froze just briefly for Hello? a second. Yeah, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, so the, he's using that as a pretext not only to solidify Russian control over the Donbass region, but of course uh, military operations are in Kiev and Kharkiv and other major uh, Ukrainian cities. So he's going to he's going to uh, take control of Ukraine. He'll install his own pro-Russian government, uh, and uh, then Ukraine will jettison its interest in the, in Western Europe, its interest in NATO. Uh, that's his that's his game plan. Uh, and uh, he'll have de-, de facto control over another hither- hitherto sovereign state. So as you say, he's a liar. And a lot of that is propaganda. Bottom line, he wants to rebuild the Soviet Union. I mean, you're an insider. You know, all these, you know, inside workings that we wouldn't. How much do I have to fear for my grandchildren, my children? Like th- th- any war like this or anything like this has the p- potential for escalation. Like, how serious is this? How worried should we be? Yeah. Well, I think it's, uh, look, Ukraine is not a member of NATO, so there will be no NATO troops in Ukraine. They're they're on their own. We'll we'll supply 
military aid and and uh, sanctions and so on. But it's not as if we're going to send troops to Kiev. But I think we've seen actors like this in history in the past. Uh, once they take one thing, then they want to take another thing. Don't forget, this is the guy who invaded Crimea, invaded the state of Georgia, uh, the, the Caucasus. He's done this before in little bite-sized chunk, chunks. Now he's going for a bigger enchilada. And uh, if I were in Poland, or if I were in the Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia, I'd be very worried right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, because is that the next step? And the thing about Poland and the Baltic states is they are members of NATO. Mm-hmm. And so Article f- Article 5 of NATO exists and what article five of nato says is an attack on one is an attack on all mm-hmm. right and so if 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 the russian forces attack poland or attack any of the baltic states we have a treaty obligation to fight and that's that would be world war three yeah, but, but and so that's what i wanted to ask you know and, and if we have time i don't know what kind of time you have but if we do have a moment or two i want to talk a little bit about how bizarre it is the republican party and trump showing their support for this and how unprecedented that is but you go back to the historical connect the dots i mean you can say that vladimir putin's a liar and a, and a oh, look what you know he's a dictator but he's not stupid He's got to know that right. he keeps pushing and trying and grabbing. And, and as you say, you know, we're going to be in a position where we are duty bound to respond. Doesn't he know that? And, and doesn't he understand that that's not good for Russia? Uh, I don't think he cares about Russia, per se. Uh, I don't think in terms of the Russian people, uh, he cares about Russian history or his version of Russian history, I should say. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, there, there is no ability of the Russian people to push back. Unfortunately, it's, it's, uh, it's an authoritarian regime. There's a lot, of, a lot of controls on the media and on civil society. So the, the pushback is only going to come from outside. Now, sanctions, uh, you know, I have this fanciful theory that if we apply the sanctions fully and well uh there are a lot of russian oligarchs who are friends of putin right now who got very rich under putin putin himself is worth 200 billion dollars okay so but and his friends are worth billions and billions of dollars these oligarchs they have all sorts of investments in in london uk you know abramovich owns a, a, a premier league football club in the uk uh so if you start to hurt them they could sort of wake up one morning saying, you know, this Putin guy, is, he's not an asset. He's a liability. We're he's bad to, for business. We're going to have to dump him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's bad for business. Exactly. Now you know how the world works, Howard. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that that is, uh, I, that is something that I hope our, uh, our political leaders are looking at. And that means that Boris Johnson, leader of the UK, has got to be tough with these oligarchs and say, you know, those properties you have in London, you know, the, the football club that you have they're gone they're frozen and uh, you know make it hurt and i think that's possibly one way to deal with this how damaging was it for donald trump to come out and say you know his actions were genius his strategy was yeah. genius does does this hurt trump does he just become like a goofy 
cartoon character now or does this in some way solidify or help him towards 2024 like it's just so bizarre as howard said i i listened to him on fox news last night Mm -hmm. uh and he was i I, i'd forgotten how nuts he could be oh yes yeah like you know and and he was that was ridiculous saying you know if you know i knew how to handle putin and and if i was still in power but i was kicked out because of the uh the rigged election i know i know the vote yeah the rigged election he went went on all this tirade last night and you're thinking jesus we we don't we don't need this right now now there is a strong wing in the republican party that sees what a threat putin is there are other voices, I grant you that, but the, I think the predominant wing in the Republican Party sees Putin as a threat to American interests. He is a threat to the order that was created out of the chaos of the Second World War, and he has to be dealt with. And, um, you know, who's, who's Putin's biggest buddy right now? It's uh, Xi Jinping of China. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and so surely, to goodness, uh, right-thinking Americans can be bipartisan and deal with this uh, on a bipartisan level. So yep. that's that's another hope I have. And that means to answer your question, I, I actually think this is bad for Trump. Uh, I think the more he goes out talking about how uh, you know, uh, he he and Putin got along famously. I, I don't think that's going to be helpful for him. You know, okay. I was just, you know, it's funny. I was telling Fred about that appearance on Laura Ingraham last night. I was reading about it this morning. At one point. And I want to get this right. Trump got confused and thought the U.S. had yeah. launched an amphibious attack on the Ukraine. And even Laura Ingraham had to say, no, Mr. President, that was Russia. <clears throat> and then I went, to, I, so I told Fred this this morning, and then I go to the Fox website and they've taken it down. There's no mention of it. And, and even oh my God. the last couple of days, Fox's uh, website has all been about you know, sort of siding with Putin in a weird way. But today it's all, it's all, you know, pro-American America stands with the Ukraine. It's very interesting how they've sort of switched now that there's an actual incursion and there's pictures of people bloodied because of this attack. Yeah. And you know, well, I hope dis- that's a good sign. Yeah. yeah and maybe the, dis- the, the disturbing thing is, I mean, it's bad enough to have a madman in Russia, but can you imagine having one at the same time in the United States? Like, given the, the current atmosphere and what Trump has said since the election. I mean, what kind of a world will that be? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I mean, fortunately, uh, as we've seen, even under great duress, uh, the U.S. has very robust yes. democratic institutions. They have an independent Supreme Court. You may not like the Supreme Court, but it's independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, uh, they have a, a military that has not become... Uh, uh, politicized, um, and and they have you know security services that uh, you know are there to protect the security of the United States. So, so hopefully, you know, I would like to think that even with Trump in power, they would never do something that was so contrary to U.S. interests. But you never know. You I never. Mean, know. I was going to say that, times. like, you know, we are living, in, and we had this conversation between our last conversation with you. <clears throat> you know, it's it's like every day. It's unprecedented. You know, if you just think about it, we're not even the anniversary of Fred and I doing our last show prior to the pandemic is coming up. 24 months, right? In another week or two, it'll be 24 months since our lives changed. And I got to tell you, I think there's a worldwide stress level 
that we have not seen. The three of us have been around for over 60 years each. We've not seen this in our lifetime. There's been pockets of it, but not a sustained kind of feeling of unsettledness, uh, for lack of a better phrase. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, we had a little bit of a party. You know, the Berlin Wall fell in 1989. Uh, The Soviet Union fell in 1991, uh, you know, and uh, we had the peace dividend. We had the New World Order. We had uh, the uh, what was was called by an academic, the end of history. Uh, And we kind of we kind of party like it party like it was 1999 for a little while. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, eventually history returns. And this is this is the return of great power uh, competition. Uh, you know, and I, much as we, you know, much as we believe in multilateral institutions and much as we believe in diplomacy, this is America, China, Russia. Yeah. And this is like the we're back into the 19th century, folks, and uh, it's not going to be pretty. So th- this conf- <clears throat> excuse me, this con- <clears throat> Go ahead, Howard. Um, I think Fred's trying to say this conference that that you're at. Yes, this conference that you're at. Excuse me. um, Frog in my throat. Um, So what happens? Like, you know, you said it was it it was set up long before this happened. What? So you're going to leave here and you're going to are you going to sit at a table with people like from? Both sides, like what? What will that happen? Well, the, I think be? the Russians here are the dissidents. Okay? okay, they're they're not the spokespeople for Putin. They're the people that that believe that there could be a democratic alternative in Russia. Oh, okay. And of course, the Ukrainians are the Ukrainians, and the Georgians are the Georgians, and the Swedes are the Swedes. So I think it, it there's a, there's a commonality, a point of view here. To be fair, uh, you know that uh, that democracy is at risk in these countries that authoritarianism is on the march in these countries and it, we've got to we've got to rebuild our our democratic center again so i think that's the theme of the conference and i'm i'm hosting a session called called the authoritarian challenge and i'm going to have a spokes uh, former ambassador from ukraine and uh, georgian and and so on um and uh you know uh, yeah it's a bit of a bit uh, you know jibber jabber talky talky but uh, hopefully, you know, these people can go back to Europe and, and know that we're in solidarity with them. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's mm-hmm. uh, that's part of it. And, and hopefully I, I expect to learn a few things along the way. Well, listen, Tony, we always appreciate your time. There was a, a great statement from your former boss, uh, Mr. Harper. Uh, very saw that what you would expect from a, a former world leader. You know, sending Canadians uh, thoughts and prayers and uh, showing solidarity for the people of the Ukraine. I come from, you know, southern Saskatchewan, and I grew up with a lot of Ukrainians. It's a huge Ukrainian community, and it's sort of just, again, I don't know what other word to use other than unprecedented. Always a pleasure with you, sir. You're uh, a super friend of the show, and we certainly appreciate it. And if anything, listen, if you have a chance to squeeze in a humble and Fred plug at any point today, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I will do feel, my best. Feel free. Hey, Tony, uh, open up by saying, you know, you make frequent appearances on the Humble and Fred show, which is now number 41 on Apple wow. uh, podcast. Uh, interviews, comedy, comedy interviews. interviews. Yeah. 
Yeah. Not this one so much, but some of them are. Yes. <laughs> you're, 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 you're coming up. You're coming up to and another thing podcast. We're pretty right soon. Behind us now. Listen, yes, Matt. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and another thing podcast. That's Tony. Uh, that's Tony's uh, Tony Clement's podcast. Listen, man. Uh, safe travels. Uh, you know, Thank blessing. You. Uh, what are they? Is it blessings go? Uh, prayers go up. Blessings come down. I can't remember the phrase, but whatever it is for you, I hope they uh, rain on you, my friend. Take care. Thanks, pal. Thanks, brother. I don't know, man. You know, you said something about looking at my uh, portfolio. I'm afraid to. I really am. Oh, well, it's, it's you know, mine has had the boots uh, taken to it over the past week or so. Today, I just, I can see a few hundred it's going to drop. Yeah, I, 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 again, it's, mm-hmm. it's not something I care to talk about. What I would like to talk about is this, everybody. <clears throat> if you want your cannabis at the lowest price, Canna Cabana makes it easy. Over 100 locations. I think Andy Palalis said 110 just opened up. Canna Cabana Club members enjoy unbeatable selection of cannabis and accessories at new lower prices. Uh, Andy mentioned, you know, signing up is easy. Doesn't, you know, you don't credit cards and such. You just sign up and then you get amazing prices on the best cannabis in the country. We're not talking about, you know, ditch weed or skunk weed, whatever you talk. It's the highest THC for the lowest prices, all at 70% off. Go check it out. Canacabana.com, Fred. Oh, uh, yeah. Bodog. Uh, Bodog, as we've told you, is uh, a great place to go if you want to wager on all the uh, North American sports, but, you know, many sports around the world. Whether you're a sports better, horse racing fan, poker, casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment, like tonight, where you can play the Leafs in the Minnesota Wild. A Leafs a pack, uh, puck and a half favorite, the over under 6.5, the Wild pay $135 to win. There's an example of what you can do. But whether it's NBA, hopefully soon, Major League Baseball, it's all there at Bodog. Yes, providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. You mentioned the uh, Leafs are playing uh, against uh, Minnesota. I played uh, golf yesterday with a couple from Minnesota. And it was uncharacteristically cold here. Although I don't want to get into it because every time I tell somebody from home, you know, how cold it was here yesterday, they're like, yeah, cry me a river. But uh, you played, was it, did you golf yesterday with somebody from a Republican? Yes, from Northern Michigan. She had lived many uh, places throughout uh, the United States and the world, as a matter of fact. Her husband, uh, he was a designer of, of aluminum, aluminum factories or something. It was interesting. But uh, she brought up politics. We didn't. And, uh, and so how did that conversation up. go? Well, she just, she said, our country's going crazy. And I thought, that's interesting. And she said, and I'm a Republican. And I said, well, that's interesting. I said, you know, it's, I, I'm here in your country. I don't like to pass judgment. I don't think it's my place. But to be honest, as a Canadian looking from the outside, <laughs> the outside in, yeah, it's a bit crazy. And she despises Donald Trump, absolutely despised him. And uh, at one point she says to me, you know, if I knew I was going to die today or die tomorrow, I would shoot that man today. That's what she said to me. Wow. And uh, and we got into it. And and then uh, I talked about what happened in Ottawa. And, and you know what she said to me? She said, you know what the biggest problem was in Ottawa? And I said, what? She said, Americans. There was too much American money and influence. I mean, she knew that. Yeah. And she said that. And then she went on about Liz Cheney, you know, how frustrating it is. The one person with logic 
compassion and decency is the one being vilified. And uh, it was just, again, she brought it up, and I was, and soon as she said Republican, I thought, where is this going to go? But she was one of those Republicans that has a brain in her head and can see that that orange pig is uh, poison for the country. Well, that makes me feel great. And, and, and it also reminds us, I think, it's a great reminder, and maybe you took away this as well. Mm-hmm. It, it's a great reminder that... Just like we found out in Canada the last few mm-hmm. weeks, most people don't think that way. Right. And even though, you know, it's provocative to read these nutty things that, you know, the Trump supporters are saying, like this morning, I, you know, I follow several Republican congressmen and, you know, commentators, and it drives me crazy, but that's not the majority. No. And I'd like to think, based on what you just said, that the majority of Republicans who have a brain, and, and one of the clues you gave was that she's lived all over the world. Because you can't, you can't live other places and not absorb some of the perspective you get from being globally aware. The, the scary thing is, as I told you the other day, walking around some of the streets here, not far from where I am, all the trailers and the garbage around these trailers and pickup trucks in front of them with all of them have trump stickers you know and we've said it before you know they they're lost so they look to trump he promises the world so he's their guy but they don't they're simpletons they don't have enough brains to 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 realize they're being duped this woman yesterday you know an intelligent woman you know she's been around and it's what you just said I mean, she can size up the situation and know that this guy's just a big, he's just a liar, you know, and he's going after the easily influenced. And let's just hope by 2024, enough of those people come around. But why would they? You know, they're they're told that their trailer, you know, is going to become a house or something. I don't know. Yeah, you know, there's so many things that since this all began in 2015 that... You know, you just sort of shake your head. But what you've said there does give me some, you know, a little bit of hope or optimism that, you know, cooler heads or smarter, more aware heads Mm -hmm. will prevail. But, you know, I can tell you, I remember when I came back to do it, to do stand up in 2016 and, you know, the the Trump campaign was in full swing. And and I remember being on stage kind of talking about it. And there was a sense I can't remember the bit I was doing, but there was kind of a sense that this was a bit of a joke. You know, like almost like, yes, you know, over our lifetimes, there's been lots of sort of fake or faux runs for presidents by mm-hmm. comedians. There was a famous mm-hmm. one back in the 70s. I don't think you'd remember him, but I thought it was one of those things. <laughs> you know, I really did. At some point, I thought we were all going to go, OK, he's just doing this for publicity. And, you know, this is just a joke. And I remember you saying and I'm not pinning this on you, but you were, uh, you know, your perspective was maybe when he gets into the Oval Office, he'll start acting more presidential. And you and you probably had a good reason to think that because how could you have ever known that this was going to be this shit storm for five oh, years? No, no, I remember that vividly. It's because he was such a joke and everybody was taking shots at him i said hey who knows maybe he'll get in there and maybe he'll be a good president who knows um yeah so even like trudeau i thought hey give the guy a chance everybody deserves a chance and on both counts they've failed miserably of course 
Donald Trump from an ugly, indecent, inhumane madman to Trudeau who's just fucking com- incompetent. That's all. Well, yeah, both of those are, <laughs> you know, but it, true. Uh, I'm not going to debate the competence, but the, the thing is, Trudeau is competent or not within a very narrow band. Of course. You yeah. know, they're, they're, like the checks and balances of our system don't allow somebody to go way off. Where is their system? Mm-hmm. Remember, I don't know, I'm not saying you should remember, but I think we should all remember that Donald Trump basically tried to get the Ukrainian government to dig up some crap about his opponent, Joe Biden, which led to his first impeachment. This is what we're talking about. We don't have that with Trudeau. You can, Mm -hmm. with Trudeau, it's almost more traditional. You can debate Mm -hmm. the politics of the Liberal Party and the way they've governed and et cetera. You know, it would be, honestly, a fairly boring conversation because, but with, with Trump and that, movement that he unearthed Mm -hmm. it's just so unprecedented i'll say it again i don't have a better word it's beyond anything we've ever seen and i don't know if that worries me more or less like i was thinking when tony was talking like and you said it where are we headed Mm -hmm. yeah where are we headed everybody has a voice now and it just the fire just keeps getting fueled and fueled and fueled and you're right, you know, Trudeau failed the office. Trump has failed humanity. Like, yeah. He's, he's and and just, you can debate yeah. whether he's failed the office within a yeah. narrow parameter of. Absolutely, yes. I mean, yes. it's one of those things yeah. where uh, uh, someone with, you know, more information than I could defend Trudeau. And, and I bet mm-hmm. you Ralph Ben Murphy yeah. would give us a good reason why Trudeau right. was a great yes. prime minister. Mm-hmm. But, that's well, that's pers- I, but that's perspective. The same way that you think Harper was great, lots of people hated him. Mm-hmm. But that's just perspective, political discourse. Well, that's what I said to Beth from uh, Michigan yesterday. I said, you know, we can debate, uh, you can debate uh, uh, fiscal policy, you can, you know, debate social programs, but when you lose decency, and she agreed, when you lose decency, there's big, big problems, and that's... That's the thing with Trump and his simpleton followers. It's like, you know, I keep saying it, you know, like forget masks and and, and, and anti-vaxxers and different perspectives. I mean, more than ever to sit in a room with someone that finds Donald Trump acceptable on any level. Like, how do you do that now? Like, and even through this Ukraine thing. Like, how do you do that? How do you sit in a room, look somebody in the eye that finds on any level that man acceptable? It's scary. Well, as I said to you yesterday, one of the things that they'll be, I think, debating and discussing for years to come is the genius of of forwarding the idea that news can be fake. Yeah. And, and when yes. we when no one and, and I would say to Beth, what, what was the biggest um. I, I don't know. The, the worst thing about the Trump presidency, and there are many, many things, but one of them as a society is that, is that the, is the debate on the truth. You know, I mentioned this morning that, you know, Laura Ingraham had to correct the former president as to who is invading the Ukraine, and Fox News has taken that off their site. Yeah. Because as you've pointed out, as I've agreed with you, they whatever doesn't fit the narrative... Mm-hmm is taken away. And that's one of the things about CNN. You know, Lumbee, my buddy, hates CNN. But I can tell you, he at least would have to admit that they will, sh- they will, 
<laughs> they will present news that's not completely flattering to Joe Biden. And there's no, lots of it. Oh, absolutely. But the, the no. thing is, when you can no longer agree what truth is, that's the big detriment of the Donald Trump presidency. Mm-hmm. You know, when he looked in the camera two years ago and said this virus was going to go away, only 15. Remember that famous only 15 mm-hmm. people have it, etc. I mean, I've, mm-hmm. I've told you, I read all these books where, you know, behind the scenes, he, he was downplaying it so mm-hmm. that it wouldn't hurt his run for the presidency. I mean, that is unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Again, I use it every word. You know, he built his rep on the claim again, all these trailer people, he was going to help them. Yeah. But all he's done is use them. That's all he's done. He's just used their simple minds, seriously, to build that base. And we still have just over two years for people to wake up. Because he did nothing for them. He will do nothing for them. He just fuels them with those racist dog whistles and stuff to use them. And uh, it's pretty clear. But again, I'm not living in a trailer in Florida. Yeah. By the way... Uh, I live in a trailer in Burley Falls. <laughs> By the way, I'm trying to think if I can access it easily. Mm-hmm. A few people, I, I was looking for this audio I wanted to play for you. Speaking of dog whistles, from the guy at, uh, where is it here? I shouldn't have started this. Anyway, the, um, you know, the Pat King guy. In Canada. Fine fellow, yes. Yeah, fine fellow. Mm -hmm. A bunch of people sent it to me, and of course, I brought it up, and now I can't can't find out where I Mm -hmm. I put it. Um, Well, wait, listen, we're not immune to it here. You know, there's that story you sent me, and I saw it myself about a teacher in North York, a Jewish woman, you know, Mm -hmm. comes to class a couple days ago. And a bunch of the kids zig heil her, give her the uh, Nazi salute. That's happening in Toronto. And, you know, it would be, you know, I can make a joke about it, but I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I'm, you know me, I'm not religiously Jewish, but it's who I am. And when I read those things, I go, wow, you know, it's like, if that were, and I'm going to say this, if that were a black teacher and a bunch of kids came in and started talking about lynching, you know, that certainly would have been, it would have been a bigger story than it was. Because to be honest with you, how that's not a bigger story is kind of a bit upsetting. And here's what bothers me about social media and the poison it is. Do you think if Donald Trump had ever happened, that would have ever happened at that school in 2022? Probably not. I don't think so. It's just the damage that man done has done by opening that door. Do you think Pat, uh, what's his name again? Pat, Pat King. King. Do you think he would have looked in, the, in, in his iPhone and said those things and allowed it to be released? Yeah, here it is. On and on and on. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when I, and here's Pat King, by the way, I'm going to play this part. The, the, mm-hmm. the, and the funny thing is, again, I don't like to, you know, I joke a lot about, you know, Jewish stuff and we make fun and, and it's, you know, and that, but that doesn't mean that I don't also have a sensitivity around when you sent me that story, I had seen it and you saw my response. Those fucking yeah. little kids, they, they should be expelled. Their parents mm-hmm. should be ashamed of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, listen, we both have children. You have grandchildren. Our kids yeah. weren't perfect. They did all, you know, they did stuff. But yeah. nobody, nobody decent does that. No. You know, not even as a prank. 
You know, this woman, this teacher, uh, her her parents were Holocaust survivors. And, you know, uh, uh, where did that where does that come from? A bunch of kids say, I know what we'll do after recess. Mm -hmm. We'll pretend we're Nazis and salute this Jewish teacher. Well, you know where it comes from. Well, I, I know, but but how, I, I can tell you right now, I'm Danny, Mel, nobody, I, Charlie, Spencer, nobody I know. No parents I know would have children that could do that. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. I, like that's why, and that's where we're at. And how does it get better? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Here's uh, the audio that I've been talking about for a couple of days, and I, thanks to everyone who sent it to me. I apologize. I can't remember who that Trudeau, was. Someone's going to make you catch a bullet one day. Yeah, well, by the way, this is the video I referred to a week ago. This is the guy who is now, you know, he's so fucked, by the way. Um, he's got a lawsuit against him. He's going to be in jail. But here's a guy, and I said to you on the show, how do you threaten the prime minister with shooting him and still walk around? Here we go. Trudeau? Someone's going to make you catch a bullet one day. To the rest of this government, someone's going to fucking do you in. You sons of bitches. The only way that, and I'm going to say it out loud, the only way that this is going to be solved is with bullets. And yeah, I said it. That's the only way something's going to happen. A massive revolution on a a huge scale. You might want to change your your name to Ishmael or... Drop a bunch of chains down the stairs and call yourself Chong Ching Ching Chang. Okay, there you go. That was the one mm-hmm. when he said you might want to drop a bunch of change down the stairs and call yourself Ching Chang Chang. Like, mm-hmm. if you, to your point, if you support this guy, mm-hmm. Richard Surrett, etc., mm-hmm. something's mm-hmm. fucking wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I'd say. You know, so many moments I've been actually wanting to send richard a note just to tell him you know in retrospect i'm embarrassed we ever had him on our show he's an evil man and i heard part of his radio show last week you know in his hypocrisy talking about talking about justin trudeau ending democracy in canada while he supports donald trump who's actively trying to end it in the united states <laughs> but that's okay you know why know. because rich richard wants to live in a trump world and you know what the trump world is the deep dark ugly seed of it all is what you just played that's what it's all about absolutely mm-hmm. and i keep <laughs> you know i say it and i say it and i say it that's what it's all about that's why how do you sit in a room with somebody that finds him acceptable on any level yeah like, i have a conversation with richard sarah when i know he loves that man who the the, the very basis of what he's all about is white supremacy and that's Donald Trump. And not only that, how do you support the guy? And we know where a lot of this comes from, the religious right. There's, yes. you know, the, how do you support it? With, uh, you know, I, and again, going back to my, my point about 2015, mm-hmm. 2016, thinking this is all a joke. Mm-hmm. But Donald Trump is not only a fucking idiot, but he's a, he, multiple divorces, multiple porn stars, all this stuff. How do you support that? Um, okay, we got to switch gears here. Do you want me to play any more of this Pat King asshole let me just play no with because you want to say you know, oh, that, that's, oh, all, that's what it's all about and that yeah. and people talk about vaccines and in passports and stuff what went on in ottawa really that was an excuse listen to that guy well, well listen you know, to this gravelly just, voice the image of him it's just you know it's, he's every redneck you've ever met exactly and just, but, but this is the part that gets me your name to ishmael or 
drop a bunch of change down the stairs and call yourself Chong Ching Ching Chang. So that's who you're following. You know, that's, you know, when, and that's why the Freedom Convoy. And I feel bad for some of the people that were like, oh, I just want to support Like, I'm against mandates and I'll give you $50. I, I can forgive those people. I can because they're not following him. Remember when I said, you know, this Western unrest is a huge part of our Canadian history that most Eastern Canadians never consider. And right. this guy comes from the land of the Aryan nation. That whole idea of calling yourself Ching Chang Chong, like that is just such a fucking redneck. That's just a guy that you don't want to be buddies with. You know, and, I, and I'll tell you what, he's allowed those kids to hile Hitler to a Jewish teacher in North York. Absolutely. And what, and what I find disturbing, too, the Brian Lillies, the Joe Warmingtons, the Lori Goldsteins, you know, when they were pushing this agenda and, and pretending that that was a freedom rally in yeah. Ottawa. Was None it? of them ever really addressed Pat King. They never, ever really addressed using kids as human shields. They forgot all that stuff. Yeah, I know. It was about... I heard Joe Warmington say the other day, let's be honest, all this is about is people not wanting to get a needle in their arm. Are you that dumb, Joe? Yeah. Are you, seriously, you're that dumb? Do you think your readers are that dumb? Well, I'd love to get Joe on the show. Play that clip for him and go, is that about freedom, Joe? Call yourself ish. Because the rest of that clip, by the yeah. way, goes on to explain how mm-hmm. uh, indigenous people are everyone. Anyone who is born here is indigenous and how, mm-hmm. you know, the people who, oh, fuck, I don't want to get into this. We, you know what? We got to, mm-hmm. the rest of the show is going to be uh, a little lighter. We've got uh, a mystery guest coming up here shortly. Uh, yeah, we do. What's this all about? I just, well, just for fun. I just wanted to surprise you a little bit today. Really? Yeah. Me? My surprise? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Humble Howard. You know, and it's funny because mm. we, we do hundreds of shows and, and you never call me before the show. And today, because I wanted to surprise you, you said, hey, can we get Tony on? And I'm like, um, we've got somebody else scheduled. And you're like, who is it? I go, it's a surprise, Freddie P. In the meantime, no surprise that both of us are wearing the health gauge watch. You should be, too. That's right. We go from yelling and uh, being angry to uh, promoting our sponsors, HealthGage.com. And the buy one, get one free BOGO sale continues. The Phoenix, which is what we're wearing. I mean, by now, you know. But you can check, uh, like the first thing I do every morning is check how little I slept. (laughs) It's true. Healthgauge.com is where you go and find out more about this watch. Here's what it does. It's a wearable device that checks your oxygen saturation, your heart rate, your pulse wave velocity, your activity levels, your calories burned. And it does so now. For the longest time, we were offering 15%. And that's going to come back. But right now, you can buy one of these watches. Get one of them for free. Um, I, I don't know the exact number. I think they're around $300. That means you get one for $150. You get another one for your friend, your spouse, your partner. HealthGage.com. The BOGO sale continues, Frederick. Yes, our upcoming uh, mystery guest of the day will be brought to you by GigSky, the only worldwide mobile data service with affordable rates in over 190 countries. Download the app today for Android or iOS. Uh, yes, and gig, uh, download the GigSky app and enter uh, HF2022 for $5 off your first plan or visit GigSky.com for more information. Of course, travel is opening up. Everything's opening up. And of course, uh, when you're traveling and you want 
you know, affordable, reasonably priced data, GigSky is your answer. Answer GigSky.com. Well, we have a couple minutes before our mystery guest gets here. Do you want to tell everyone how angry you are with me? Why? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. You know, and, and you and you made me feel uncomfortable because, like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I've been to the high desert twice. You know, I've spent my. I was in Los Angeles. I went to Venice Beach. I've done some sightseeing, but unless I go to fucking the mountain where the snow is, you don't think I've had a good visit here. Well, you're there for a month, and today you show me pictures of mountains that have snow on them that didn't two days ago, and yeah, the snow is cool. pretty low. And I told you about the adventure I had in the same area a few years ago with my sweet wife. It was 80 degrees, and we drove up a mountain, and it was all of a sudden it was winter. It was like we were in this Colorado ski town or something. It was just fascinating. People walking around with parkas and hats and in the coffee shop or the roaring fire. And we enjoyed that. And then we got in the car and went back down to the 80 degrees. And I just, stuff like Beautiful. that fascinates me. And I've told you about it and told you about it, but you don't seem interested. And I just, I, I, I just find that odd that you wouldn't want an adventure like that when it's like minutes away. Well, that's well, all. Okay. But, you know, next week you're going to golf like every day, 14, 14 times, six times, six, days. six oh, okay. times. I'm going every day. <laughs> and by the way, for the record, everyone, this man, you know, Mr. Uh, Patterson has golfed more so far in this trip than I have. Just remember yes. that. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I've, I've tried to, you know, avail myself of some adventures. I'll tell you one thing I am going to do next week when Rachel's gone is there's one day where I'm playing pretty early and it's right near the airport and there is a... Um, um, an aviation museum there, an air, oh. an air museum. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna mm-hmm. avail myself of that. Something that I'm interested in. I've already yeah, been. Yeah, but you could go to an aviation museum <sighs> anyway. All right. Here's well. the thing, and I told you about this other thing just outside of Palm Springs. Yes. There's a walking tour where you walk through the desert to an oasis, and yes. I told you about. How right. do you? How are you in the area with Rachel and not walk to an oasis? Because uh, I'm a huge failure. Okay, I have done something, though, which involved our mystery guest. And um, I want people to look this up. It's called the Integratron. Okay, how you how you've been here before and didn't do it. And Rachel had been to it before. And she said, we got to try this. So we go up to this thing. It's about an hour and a half from out of Palm Springs up on the high desert uh, near that pioneer town that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, mm-hmm. and uh, we drive up to it. It's in a remote place. It's called. It's, and what it is? It's this dome, and you go inside, and it's a sound bath. It's an amazing kind of California thing. But as we're pulling into the parking lot, we see the face of somebody that most Canadians know. Literally, uh, it's like our second day here, and um, Rachel says, "Is is that?" And she named him, and I said, yes, it is. In the middle of nowhere, a former uh, radio uh, colleague, a former uh, VJ, at one time had his own uh, talk show. At one time was the, he spent a year hockey night in Canada. I don't know if he wants to talk about that. (laughs) But I look out my window, and there, Freddie, is the sweet angel, George (laughs) Strombolopopoops. 
Yeah, what and are the chances? What are the chances of like, that happening? It's just so weird. And, and I think both George and I looked at each other like, is that Howard? Is that George? <laughs> and I stopped. I'm in the parking lot. I stopped the truck and I get out and it's still running. I'm hugging him. He's hugging me. We're having a great time. Um, our mystery guest today, Smartless Styles, is the angel George Strombo. Hey, buddy. Hello, friends. How are you? Well, we're on the brink of extinction. That's how we are. How are you? Mm -hmm. I'm all right. It sure feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, Yeah, Freddie, it was really funny. A a friend of mine uh, in L.A. says, we have tickets to Integratron. I'm like, sure, let's go. And I've never been. I've only been around it. And it was just like that. I'm sitting on the the, the back of the trunk of the car, just having an orange before I go. (laughs) And I'm staring at this guy thinking, wow, man, I really know that dude. Is that Larry David? (laughs) (laughs) But it was uh, it was really it was really really nice to see you and um and it was like that it was just two guys running to hug each other as if we were we were Ryan Gosling and and, uh, (laughs) I know (laughs) I think what what it was for me George it was just because it was so. One of those things that's so out of context. Like, uh, if yeah. I ran into you, listen, I'd give you a big uh, hug because I love you. But if I ran into you on the Danforth, it'd be, hey, George, what's up? But yeah. it, was, it was in such a random place. Freddie was just bugging me about how I haven't seen some of the sites around Palm Springs. But that place you and I went to, yeah. like, that is off the grid, man. Like, that is an experience. It's hard to describe, but I wanted. I just said to people, go look up Integratron, and you'll see what it is. It's just a fascinating um, structure. But it was, Fred, it was the fact that there I was, away from home. Rachel uh-huh. recognized him first, and I just were, took me a second. I'm like, well, that almost like that can't be George. What is yeah. George doing here? <laughs> well, there you go. George, I'm like, do you go to the Palm Springs area often? Yeah, I, I do go a few times a year. There's a motorcycle show I go to. And then when Coachella was happening, I would go through. But I'm not really a I don't just go to Palm Springs to go. It's usually if something's happening, a film festival. I'd never been to Integratron. OK, you haven't done the walking tour to the Oasis. You haven't done haven't, that? No, I have not. But that sounds lovely. Though. Oh, yeah. And, and George, <laughs> hey, Fred, George only lives like three hours from here. I know. So I mean, why, why don't you, you chastise gone, him? You haven't <laughs> left the summer air and driven up the mountain to the little town that's snow covered and the mayor is a dog. You haven't done that either. Oh, Idlewild. Yes. Idlewild. Yes, Max the dog. I have been there. I Tell Howard how cool there. that is. It's actually super cool. And what's amazing is no matter how much time passes, Max the dog is always the mayor. That's great. One's uncontested. <laughs> That's great. You know, I, I will say this, though. I, was t- I sent Fred a picture this morning because we've had, I, I don't know what it's been like in L.A., but the last couple of days here has been, have been, it's been cold. It rained. And then all of a sudden there's snow on the mountains around here. And it's fascinating to me. As fascinating as it was running into you. And so Rachel and I you and uh, you and your friend, we all went into the sound bath and it was just a, we spent a couple hours just hanging out. And it was such a I don't know, there's a such a warm feeling. And I guess that's what it was. I think part of the reason we ran to each other was just the out of context nature of the yep. visit. And then we spent a little while, you know, catching up, Freddie and I. And I'd, I sent a picture of you and I to Fred, and I'd hoped enough time would pass, and he would forget that you. Yep. And then, so I said, "Well, I got a special guest for you today." Mm. Did um, have we lost you, George? Do you live there uh, year round, or are you like no, no, six here, uh, six no. there? <clears throat> yeah, six here, six there, pretty much. Um, yeah. 
when I came down here to launch the show for Apple, it was just the studios are here. But of course, COVID hit. So I'm in my home doing it from my home like everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, Toronto's still there and still lots of uh, still lots of time for me to do the Toronto thing. You know, Freddie, the other strange part about running the Howard there is if you would have gone back to when all of us first met, mm-hmm. likely the last place we would have thought. 25 years later that we would bump into each other is a sound mm-hmm. bath and pump. <laughs> you, would not right. have, you would not have pegged Howard and I to be there. That's right. 25 years ago. Well, and, yeah. but, but, and, and, and I loved it, but to be fair, we were yeah. there at the urging of our partners. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Rachel had already been there once, but yeah. again, if you, if you're listening and you, and you can go check it out, you know, one of the things I was talking to George about Fred is, you know, you know, George is sort of, has has such a, a varied career, and I think a lot of people know that he's doing a show for Apple. But maybe if we could just explore a little bit of it, George. Like, what what is the show mm-hmm. you do? How often is it? Every night is it live? Just explain it, because I yeah. wasn't a hundred percent sure what you were up to. So it's 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 similar to those early edge days um, when we all first met. The Apple launched this new radio station called Hits. It's in. 165 countries around the world and it's music and interviews and documentaries and conversations. And they reached out to me and asked if I'd wanted to join them. So I, you know, I was already negotiating with another place for an interview uh, show. And, but the people at Apple who I knew who brought me over, I really liked them and I've known them for some time and actually just really liked who they were as people. And I said, well, what is it? And they said, just come in here and do what you do. Play music every day, talk to people, talk about what's interesting to you and it's in 165 countries and go for it. And I thought in my, and this is a true story in my entire career. I feel like even the hockey thing, when it ended only after two years, it was more than enough time. Like usually in my career, whenever I do something, it's the right, the right time that it ends by their choice or by mine. But the only time in my career where I wish I had a couple of more, a couple of years extra was that time at the edge. I, I, but much music had come calling and it was the right time for me to go. But really in my heart, I wished I had a couple of years to do that. And then Apple offered me the exact, I mean, a modern version of it, but the, essentially that thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's on every day. We're on at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 Eastern, uh, every day, Monday to Friday and, um, all kinds of con slash is going to be on there soon. Yesterday we did a whole thing about Detroit music and they just say, do your thing. We work on documentary series and specials and, 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 and I feel like, I, I feel I feel so privileged to be able to do this for a living at this stage of my career. Is it just you and a uh, small staff like you're producing? I know there's a, got a lot. It's more it's more than just you doing a, sh- a jock shift. Is is it a few people that work with you? Yeah, I've got about eight people who work with me um, on that show and on some other stuff too. So I work on um, I work on uh, I work with the World Food Program and a couple organizations like that. I have a book I have a book thing with Apple as well, Apple Books. So we run this big book club called Strombo's Lit, where I'll interview an author and we'll talk about a book. So I have a team. Mm-hmm. I have a team of people that I work with uh, full time, uh, which is really you know pretty interesting to 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 do that. But I, I I got to this point in my career where I looked around and said, as a host, I feel like I kind of finished the game in Canada. Like after you have your own talk show and the new music and Hockey Night in Canada, there's not really a lot to do that will be different. Mm-hmm. Everything will just be a version of it. And I, I decided to lean into the version of the things that I really loved, which is music and people and reading and 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 politics and moving the conversation forward, I think, especially because we live in the most insane time in our lives. Yes, for least. sure. And I, and so, yeah, so that's why I work on all these little different things, some bigger than others, but I, I really quite, and I have another thing coming that's in the business world. That's going to be insane. So I cannot wait to launch that. So that'll be fun. 
Yeah, good for you. You know, you mentioned the Edge uh, a couple of minutes ago. Every time there was a morning show change after us at the Edge, it was George Strombolopoulos was going to be the new morning man. Like, was that ever, ever in the mix or was that just... So I, like I almost would, to recent history, I've heard that. Yeah, oh yeah. Well, I, I've I've been reached out a couple times mm-hmm. by them. I have for sure. Uh, the only time I thought I was going to do it was when you two left mm-hmm. and went to uh, the other radio station. And I remember <laughs> looking, yeah, and I looked at my friend uh, and I said, "No, I do not want to be the guys that have to step in after Humble and Fred. There's no way you can't. You can't." I actually said this to him. I said, "You can't be the guy that replaced the guys. Like, you guys are such legends." And also. So I, I just didn't think I could do it the way you wanted to. But at that time, mm-hmm. much music had offered me the show. And then the boss, Stu, had said, I kind of saw you as being the next guy here. And I said, well, you know, here I go. I had to go to much at the time. But yeah, yeah a couple of times. Sense. I don't think they're going to reach out to me anymore. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't do I don't do what it is. They no, exactly. I was going to say that even though it, we had heard that they had offered or thought about you. I don't know that. It, I think your style and your you've evolved beyond sort of a morning, typical morning radio show. I mean, you could do it. You could do it if you said to them, hey, I'll do it. But I'm just going to do it like what I'm doing yeah. now. And that's not what they well, want. Yeah. Well, and that was on, that was part of the problem with Hockey Night in Canada, right? Like you like being in control, and it didn't sort of pan out the way you wanted it to, or you thought it would be. Yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. You know, ex- well, sort of, Freddie. I I anticipated it would go the way it did. I had hoped it oh. wouldn't, right? Oh, um, okay. So when 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 I was when I was first offered Hockey Night in Canada, I remember calling a couple of key people in the NHL saying, "Are you crazy? Like, I don't think you really want this." And they said, no, we do. And I knew the Rogers guys. I knew that this was going to be a, a roll of the dice anyway. But I thought, you know, let's go for it. Let's see what happens because very few people ever get a chance to host Hockey Night. And I also knew that I could do it. You know, it's funny. If you take a look at when Ron or Dave or previous hosts got it, they were all really young. Mm-hmm. I was, when I got Hockey Night in Canada, I was one of the most experienced hosts to have ever mm-hmm. taken that spot. I'd already been on there for 25 years. Um, and the, the problem was, was the guy that hired me left right away. He left and went to run a golf club or something, a golf league or something. Right. And Keith Pelly. So con- yeah. Keith, right. He so went Keith to run the European he, tour. Right. So then he split and I, and once he split, I was like, well, there you go. This yeah. isn't going to, but I knew it wasn't going to work anyway, but here's what I can tell you that I had lunch with them a little while before. And they said like, my job was to grow hockey for a different audience. And when I was the host, I was told by Rogers that the ratings were going up with p- women and people under 30, which was the intent. The intent was to grow the game. But mm-hmm. I think they just panicked. Conviction wasn't really their thing. And they just kind of went, ah. And so I, I was getting, uh, I was going to the dentist one day and I got a call from them saying, hey, let's talk about next year. And I said, call my lawyer. And I haven't <laughs> spoken to them since. I haven't spoken to anybody. There. You know what's so <laughs> funny about that story, Fred? Because it's, 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 I mean, and, and again, in a much smaller way, it sounds like what happened to us at the mix. We're like, hey, this is going to be great. And then a couple years later, like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Humble and Fred, come to the mix. This is the music you'll be playing. That's oh, right. We can work with that. And then three weeks later, it was like, what happened to that music we were supposed to be playing? Yeah. Totally. And, you know, I, I don't I don't grieve a show that doesn't exist. I knew it was such a public thing. And I was getting killed every week on social media because of my pants or my whatever. But I'll tell you, I was there to change it in, in, a, in a cultural way. 
in a way where when things like Me Too happened and Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, yeah, like, in, in a way that it was it was way more. And you could see it wasn't. Oh, by the way, this is not about hockey. This is just more in sports in general. You can see how a lot of sportscasters really struggled with the changing cultural conversation. And we were there to try to preempt that, to get people on board. And you know what? There wasn't an appetite internally for that at the time. I'm glad it's happening now, um, for sure. I love that show. I've got a lot of friends who work on that show. But it was. Uh, it would have been a really good opportunity if they let me do what they told me they would let me do. Yeah, exactly. But at the same, but sure. at the same time, you know, we're so lucky to work in this business that I'll take Dude, like, <laughs> and by the way, you're right about it. Like, I, I worked in Alberta when Ron McLean was still doing Weather and Red Deer. I, I, you know, he was, they were all inexperienced or not nationally known. The other thing I thought of as you were saying that is that you were brought on to do something different. Now, different, I, I read this recently and it applies. Different isn't always better, but better is always different. Correct. And, and sometimes there's not an appetite to wait long enough for that to take seed. Like our, our situation at 99.9, had we, we, we knew we could do the job if they had just let us do what we know how to do. The problem is, and as Fred pointed out, we weren't really in control of ourselves anymore, much like yourself there. And you can only do so much within the narrow parameters you're given. But unlike unlike you, we weren't eviscerated on social media every week about wearing dark black straight leg pants. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the, the source of those complaints, I mean, all you had to do was look at that and think, oh, yeah, well, yeah. yeah they're not they're never going to get it anyway. Now, Freddie, I used to, a lot of a lot of those guys that didn't like George were in trucks across the country a few weeks ago. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got, it's funny. I would get calls from journalists saying, yo, there are these people who work at Hockey Night in Canada who are out there spreading lies about you and i was like i know will you write that story everybody was just so afraid to talk about uh the institution and here's the thing i uh i'm not a great business person in the sense that i got into this business for the love of it however when they offered me hockey night in canada i definitely thought it wasn't going to go the distance right they offered me a much longer contract I countered with a shorter contract. We settled on a mid-range contract, and I just said, "Just yeah, just make sure that no matter what happens, they gotta pay it out." Yeah, man. Because I because I knew it wasn't gonna happen. And I, well, here's what I did: I the moment I took the hockey gig, I started the House of Strombo series in my house. It was all strategic because I knew that my love of music was gonna be the thing that I was gonna I was gonna be a, a part of all the time. Um, and so I took that that hockey stuff. Like I, there's a part of me I laugh about Hockey Night in Canada now. There was a part of me at the time where I just thought. Man, this this really could be interesting. And that show needs to be a cultural touch point. Um, and they kept focusing on the fact they're like, oh, you're not a, you know, you're going to you're going to take over for Don Cherry. I said, everybody, those are the hockey guys. I'm the broadcaster. I don't need to be right. the hockey guy. I need to be the broadcaster. Right. And my yeah. job is to make sure that this thing rolls. And yeah, I didn't really get the chance to do it. However, it's OK, because I. I I feel like I liked the work that I did and I, I liked working with a lot of those cats and it honestly felt nice to be finished. When when hockey ended, by the way, Mako, our friend Mako showed up to see me and he's just, Hey man, how you feeling at my house that day? I said, Honestly, I feel relieved. Yeah. And I think this is mm-hmm. a really nice headspace to be right. in now. You know, again, Freddie, the parallel with our contract, when we signed the contract at the mix, all we said to our lawyer was just make sure we get paid for every day of this because (laughs) because because whether it lasts a day or five years, we we want the money because the guy that hired us at the time, you know, we weren't we weren't sure, you know, where that was going to go. Right. Speaking of. 
No, I was just saying House of Strombo. I mean, so many great episodes of that. I really enjoyed that. Could we ever expect that to come back? I know my my boy Danny worked on a few of those, and he had worked with you and has fond memories of those moments, I'll tell you. Yeah, uh, God, I loved working with Danny. What a sweet kid. Uh, Mm -hmm. You and your lady did a really nice job with him. He's a sweet guy. And I worked with a lot of people in this business who who say nice things, but you can tell at their core that when the going gets tough, they can't shake it. He mm-hmm. can. Danny's yeah. really special. You know, how's this drama? Honestly, we, it, it started because I had seen this old video clip of a punk band called against me, but deep down in my mind, I always wanted the cult to play in my living room. And I didn't really think it would be much more than just a couple of bands. So one day I'm, I'm, I'm at Coachella. We're not too far from where Howard is now. And, I'm watching the cult play and they get off stage and I see Ian and we had known each other a little bit. And I said, Hey, you need to play a concert in my living room. He said, sure, no problem. I'll do it. And then I just never thought much of it. And then about six months later, I got a call from his label. A guy said, Hey, why did the cult just call me and say they want to play a concert in your living room? And I thought, Oh no, I got to figure out how to do this. So I had brought a bunch of crew in. Uh, and like those early days at much music, I thought it was really important for I mean, I knew that we could just go shoot a concert, but I didn't think it was fair to everybody if I didn't give them the opportunity to learn how to do this from the ground floor. So we brought in a bunch of smaller indie bands and and we brought in crews and we learned how to shoot them. And then when the cult showed up, it felt... I felt like I was in high school again and John Prine played a concert and Gordon Lightfoot came over and Elvis Costello and Rush and uh, didn't Sting my, as well? Sting was Sting, Sting? Yeah, Sting yeah. played in my Jesus. Yeah, Sting played in my home as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and Sharon and Bram Sharon and Bram and also Behemoth, a Polish death metal band. It was a really and yes, we will bring them back for sure. Obviously, because of the pandemic, everybody mm-hmm. no one wanted to get in the same room. But I imagine that'll change and uh, I'll, I'll definitely I know that Apple wants me to keep doing them. That's how Apple first got to see what I was doing. The head of Apple Music around the world was in Toronto and a friend of mine who who you know ran Apple Music here said, Hey, I'm gonna bring this guy. And he came to my house and he looked around and he went, Do you actually live here? <laughs> I, said, I do. And he said, Is that Robert Plant? Because there's Robert Plant, all these people on the wall. I said, Yep. And Lee Scratchberry. They were actually you actually bring strangers in and I said, yes. And he said, why? And I said, because I used to work at a station called The Edge and at Much Music where fans got to be really close to their favorite artists. And, yeah. I said, and it's really important to see the impact it has on a kid. Not everybody, but it has on one kid who doesn't know what their life's going to be like. Let them be close to the thing that is their dream. And so I said, that's why I do it. And that's actually why I do it. And everybody in my life said it's crazy to bring strangers into your house and i said yeah it is but whatever and so people started showing up <laughs> only a few things got stolen or broken and you're like yeah, what, with, what, and now, do people get to use the strombo bathroom or did you put a porta potty in the front yard no no oh no dude it's my house so they go they use my bathroom and i have you know one thing i learned this this uh, person i met at a concert once uh, who was really drunk said that they the only thing they said to me was get a bidet so i got a bidet and it has a heated seat and so people would go into the bathroom and come out like oh my god that's a heated seat <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so they'd use my bathroom um they would often th- like a, like a regular house party you'd throw your coats on my bed the you know you if you want to some people would do the dishes during a concert like it was really strange uh and it was oh, really yeah. cool it, i think i think it's one of those things where and again i know we keep going back to those early edge days but do you remember just how much it felt like a family and yes. how much we actually yes. cared about what we were doing? I, George, we just had uh, Neil Morrison, Brother Bill on, and yeah. we, oh. we were talking about that for a few minutes, about the, the feeling, the, the cohesiveness, the, uh, f- uh, the feeling of family during those times. Yeah, it was pretty unique. I- it really was. And that lineup, mm-hmm. if you look at that lineup, Humble in Front of the Morning, and then May Potts, uh, and then Alan, 
And then after Alan, I would pop on and then it was mm -hmm. brother and then it was Marty and Vishna. I mean, that mm -hmm. that lineup was you had a lot of people who were in the city who cared, who were just. Yeah, it was it was it was a it was a vortex. I really feel like that that those CFNY edge days were a vortex. And I and I really wanted that feeling again. And I realized that the way you create that feeling is um, by letting the people who this is really about be a part of it. It's not about me or you, or it's not even about the bands. It's about the relationship that develops when you really love radio and 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 love what it can mean to a community. And so that's uh, most of my career is based on what I learned at the edge. I was going to say, you do know, you think true. that your sensibilities and the sensibilities of the people you just named, is it because of where we were at the age we were at the time, or did that place attract us to it because of the kind of people that we all sort of turned out to be because I think there's a little bit of both. It was a very special place and I've said this before I didn't understand at the time the history of the CFNY prior to us but I do always feel grateful to have been part of the history of it while we were there because you just named like the best radio lineup I ever worked with was that. Yeah, it was incredible. You know, I actually think it's a, I agree with you that I think it's a little bit of both. But there's another part to it was that we had a boss at the time called Stu Myers. And, and, and the mythology around Stu is that, oh, Stu is really tough and Stu will only want you to do the basics. And Stu is very. But I realized very quickly that that was just a mythology around him. But in actual fact, he he really liked the craft of radio. Yes, he liked yeah. and he respected it. And he also understood that radio. Um, because of the era that we're all from. Now, and this is, I think, the real answer to your question is that we grew up in the 70s and the early 80s where it was free. And so I think we were the last run of radio into the 90s where where you had people who understood what the 70s were because we we had an expectation that radio was bigger than the company that owned it. Yes. And, mm -hmm. and that went away over time. But I, I actually, and I've talked to Slash and a couple of old school rockers about this. They say the reason why the 80s and 90s were so great is because everybody lived through the 70s, which was the wildest decade. And the freedom apart that were part of the 70s. And I actually think that's what fed a lot of us um, to be And Stu let us. I think Stu has never been proud of a lineup too. Stu was always like, oh, you got to be like this. But in, at his core, he just said, go for it. Stu would program during my show. When I first started, he would program phone calls. Remember Input 102? Where yeah, people, yeah which that's was like right. The first do, do, Twitter do, do, do. comments. No, I loved it. Yeah, totally. And he would program people saying how much they hated me during the show. And I remember saying to him, once, I just started on the air and I said to him, Stu, what are you doing? He says, look, Number one, if somebody says they hate you, uh, you you have to be able to take it just as much as you're able to take a compliment. You have to listen to somebody saying they hate you, and you have to determine if you think they're right. And if you don't think that you're right, here's the biggest part, and it's that old Malcolm McLaren cultivate hatred part of it. He said, if I play a clip where somebody says he hates you, it forces the rest of the audience to decide, do I like him or do I hate him? He goes, and that's what you want. Yeah. And I was like, right, establish the name, cultivate hatred. That's well, the best way to do it. And we did the same thing. We used to play comments on our show, mainly from people that didn't like what we were doing and what it did, because <laughs> it inspired the people that did to yeah. take a stand for us and I'll tell you another yeah, thing totally. that was a ballsy fucking thing to do because you didn't hear that on terrestrial radio no you would have no. never nope. heard that on chum FM where mm -hmm. somebody goes I hate Roger Rick and Marilyn but you heard it on our show all the time <laughs> I know. Mm -hmm. it, it, it actually just I actually think that if you look at, at that line I, you, I'm glad you brought up Neil like Neil was so good and is so good on the radio that when you hear that lineup of people, you can see that we were the sum of our experiences at other 
stations, but we all we all gelled under Stu. And I think Stu and Neil Mann play this really meaningful role in letting us be the best version of ourselves in the last era where that was going to be allowed. Yeah. And it really was the last era where that was allowed. Hey, Georgie, let's talk about a couple of things, because I know that uh, you're politically um, aware. Uh, we spent about the first 25 minutes today talking to our friend Tony Clement, who's actually at a conference in Miami uh, with people from the Ukraine, uh, Russians that are sympathetic. What's uh, how is this playing in your world? And uh, what are your thoughts on it? I think, you know, uh well, my thoughts are it's terrible and it's heartbreaking, of course. I don't think any of it is a surprise, really. Uh, everybody's been saying very clearly he's going to Putin's going to do this and this is going to happen. Um, I, I still don't think the full motivation is aware of it. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know if this is just a flex for a few days causing pain and, and death. And then he'll pull back and it's like, hey, NATO, be careful. I don't know. I have no idea uh-huh, right. what it's going to be. But I will tell you, watching uh, watching the coverage of it, everybody seems caught off guard, even though they shouldn't have been. That's what I find really interesting about this is we maybe because we just despite how broken our people, our era is, I think maybe people thought we weren't going to have a ground war in Europe like that wasn't going to happen. But then, you know, the challenge is you start taking a look at how every country behaves. And there's a lot of this that's been happening for a long time. This one's just getting the news coverage now because it is so brazen. Um, but I think that I think that this version of our capitalism class war thing uh, is reaching its its zenith. And I don't know what comes after this. Right. Yeah, we've said that, too. It's funny you say uh, that term you just use broken era. That yeah. says it all, doesn't it? No, it really does. And Howard and I have talked about that. It's like you don't really see any light at the end of the tunnel, you know, between social media and the polarization, especially in the United States. It's. Had it, like, I don't see our way out of this any t- anytime soon. If you can't agree on a set of facts, um, yeah. Never, yeah, that's exactly what it. I said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're living in an era, and, and again, I give him credit, but in a sort of sideways uh, manner, that Donald Trump created the idea that news could be fake. And it's something that, having mm-hmm. been around the media, the three of us, for many, many years, you could, if you can't agree what the truth is anymore, if that is in debate, mm-hmm. then it's almost like all bets are off. You know, we could all have a political conversation. You know, Fred's support is this. I support that. You're somewhere in the middle. But that's just, it used to be we'd have conversations. Now it's like, you know, we don't want to have a conversation with somebody that supports Pat King, who is an anti-Semite, racist asshole. I don't want to have that debate. I don't want to, mm-hmm. I don't want that not. person on my show. Right. Well, you know, I, I think there's a lot of factors that play into it. You can go back to when Reagan got rid of the fairness doctrine, which yes. allowed media to become what the media was in the United States. So corporate media, I think the only I think the real way to fix the media is the real way is to fix democracy is you got to take my only light at the end of the tunnel, Fred. And, and I don't see anybody who will be able to do this, but is you got to take money out of politics. You have to have an overhaul campaign finance reform overhaul. You have to create, you have to limit social media's ability, people on social media to say things. I believe that everybody on social media is a broadcaster because it is a broadcast platform. Mm -hmm. So everybody should be subject to the exact same regulations that you and I are on when we're on. If you can, you can go on broadcast, but it is a platform and everybody should be held to the same broadcast standards council. And it's a 10 year plan to fix it, but you, you take money out of politics and and again this is the thing that people like me have been beating the drum for so long is if you don't address the root causes of poverty 
you will have division. Yeah. Like it all to me stems back to that. By the way, you've yep. said two things I've said and mm-hmm. I said it the other day. Well, getting back, I've said this before. There should be term limits in all mm-hmm. of politics, meaning you serve, you volunteer just like you do on a board. And then when yep. it's over, you're done. The second thing you said, and I said it to Fred the other day, the difference between social media and what we've been involved in is we just can't go on the air and go, hey, drop some coins down the stairs, chingy chang chong, because then we be, right. because of the broadcast standards council. That's I said it word for word. The problem with social media is they're not under the same restrictions that we are and have right. been. Right, and you need, dangerous you need, place. Like journalism, and, and and the other thing is, and I challenge my friends and the people who my, my audience on this all the time when they complain about media. I say to them, how much do you spend a month on Netflix? How much do you spend a month on this uh, subscription? How much how much money do you spend a month in your subscriptions? Right, and then how much do you spend on a news service? So mm-hmm. you, if, if you if you don't spend enough money, like if you're spending all your money on entertainment dollar, but you won't put two ninety nine a month to support a real journalistic institution that you believe in, then you aren't. Then you may be entitled to good new journalism but you don't deserve it because good journalism costs money yeah how do you play that line with your apple show yeah the the amount of politics like how far you can go or like statements you make do you have to are you playing a fine line because you 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 got to be worried about who you might alienate or you, you know i think i probably would have maybe 20 years ago mm-hmm. Actually, maybe i never would have i i i i i i I recognize what the Apple show is, which is a place for us to come together around the world. And I recognize that people don't all agree with my politics and that's totally fine. So I, what I do, Freddie, is I look at things that I decide are human rights issues. If they're a human rights issue, it's not partisan. I do not care who's right. offended by it. I do not care. Um, I don't use that show as a, as a, as, as a stump speech for, by any means. But what I do is these pretty regular late night live streams on my Instagram, which are very much that. Yeah, I've they're seen very them. much. Yeah, yeah, they're very much yeah. about. He's not pulling any punches on Instagram. I've seen I'm it. Not. I love it. I'm not. I, I love it. It's my. And, uh, someone was saying because I got offered another show. Right, I got offered a talk show uh, in Canada, and I and I looked at it and I turned them down, which I think surprised them because honestly, I scratched the itch on that live stream i love that late night live stream and i can tell the truth in a way that i believe and and so i'm i'm I'm, i understand that the people listening to me in sao paulo do not need to hear about a nuanced political debate happening in canada so i I, there's no reason for me to have that discussion but i do i have other avenues where i can certainly talk about that stuff and you know the what's funny is the older i get i'm 49 now the more i am the kid that you guys met like I am more emboldened in the the idea that like life is to me it's kind of meaningless and we're animals and blah 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 and I'm not I don't believe we're spiritual beings or any of that stuff but but what the only thing you can do is clear a path for somebody else and because I'm a, a cis het white presenting ethnic male who has enjoyed much privilege being all those things and I'm strong and I'm tough and I don't care what people think about me. It, what is the point of doing all that, having all that and just using it to protect my own piece of the sand? So it's like, mm-hmm. no, that's not what I want to do. To me, this is about have fun, play music, F around, screw, I don't care. You know, let's have some fun. It's, we're, you know, but at the same time, if you, you need me to fight, I'm here for you. Like I'm here mm-hmm. for you. And I have friends in government who send me messages all the time after my live streams because they're like, bro, we're trying real hard. And I'm like, yeah, not hard enough. And so I use it for, <laughs> I, I don't use it. To, this is what blows. And this is what I'm so grateful for. Uh, Cause I've been following YouTube for, for many, many years as I'm watching a lot of guys in our demographic psychographic, 
I'm watching them collapse under the weight of having to just be aware of somebody else's reality. Uh, and they're all becoming so narrow. You guys haven't. Right. I haven't. And I don't know if it's because of where mm-hmm. we come from and that. But this idea that we what we're using our platform not to make the marginalized feel more marginalized, which is what a lot of the big yeah. white guys on the media are doing. Well, I, yep. I, and well, this first of all, I appreciate well you. I appreciate you putting us in in mm-hmm. with you because we have it would have been easy for us to kind of lean into being, you know, these old yep. crotchety white guys. And some days we are. But, you know, we have we're generally fall on the side of, you know, what's just and what's what's mm-hmm. justice for others. Decency. Yeah. Decency. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. we yeah, we're still making fart jokes someday and making fun of each other yeah, and all that ones. stuff. Mm-hmm. But decent <laughs> fart jokes. Um, just a couple <laughs> quick things, George, before we let you go. Uh, I don't know why I remember this. But as I was driving away from you uh, that day a couple weeks ago, and I, I said to Rachel, I was talking about you know how I always admired you and, and how we knew you and how you did the all-night show and you would hang around some days after the show and talk to us and tell us stories of your young man adventures. And friends. Oh, yes. <laughs> I remember some of those stories. Yeah, and, and yes. I was 24. I know. I know. I know. But you, you were 24 and we were jealous. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you were 24 and I, I was newly married and you were just kind of our contact with the young... Anyway, I was explaining yeah. that to, to Rachel and I said, you know, I've known a lot of famous people we both have all three of us have had chances to interview but and i put you in the category of a famous person just enjoy it and as we were driving away i said you know that guy has always impressed me because he hasn't changed and i've known him since he did all nights and i said at one point as we were pulling into this restaurant i said oh and by the way he also has bono on his fucking phone <laughs> i said most people would you know mm-hmm. if you have that kind of access it does something to them and george you know what i'm talking about because you've yeah, interviewed seen, people like it. that. We have to yeah. with. So two questions. Why hasn't that impacted you and your persona? I think I, you, you've explained why. But also, do you still keep in touch with the lead singer of you, too, from time to time? Uh, the, the, the answer to the second question is yes. We know the occasional text message and voice note. Yes, definitely. Um, and he's a lovely, lovely man. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know why it why I'm the same guy because I really am the same guy that I was then. I'm sometimes a little edgier, sometimes a little gnarlier, sometimes a little lovelier, but I'm I'm pretty much that guy. I, I here's the thing: I grew up way below the poverty line, right? I grew up really poor, really, but I never I, I knew I was poor, but I never felt. I never felt like there was anything wrong with it in that my mother, I was raised by the single mom, right? Mary. And she, she always raised my sister and I to believe that a, you're not special. You're like everybody else. And that's great. Right. You're special to me. Um, but my mother really put consequence on my plate. She said, how you behave will have consequences. And if those consequences are something you deserve, then I will not take them off your plate. You need to lean into the, the, the you know, the, the, con- the reactions to your actions. And I think as I, as I try to unpack it a little bit, because my mom and I talk a little bit about this now when she's not bringing up God, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is all the time, which is all the time. We, <laughs> in my family, I can't recall my mother ever asking me, what do you want to do for a living? My mother and my family have never put any value at all 
on the job or the career. They never did. My baba, my grandmother used to always say, get a job driving a streetcar because you can get in the union and you could sit down for a living. Like my family, <laughs> we, we didn't have careers, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I don't have any of that career anxiety or the, the need to prove myself. I never did then. I don't now. It's not, least of all to myself. And I think it's because many reasons, but mostly because my family said, what you do is irrelevant how you treat people right. is what matters. Yeah, and who it, you are. Into my head. Yeah, yeah. who you mm-hmm. are. So I think that's why I'm kind of the same guy that I always am. My mother, no word of a lie. I talk to my mom on the phone probably three times a day because she keeps calling me and I love her. But she, the other day, had said to me, so have you thought about, like, maybe maybe there's another job that doesn't have as much pressure. And I was like, mom, I, I'm 49. Like, this is the job, right? Mm-hmm. This is what I'm doing. She goes, yeah, but you could become a preacher. And like, my mom, <laughs> my that mom streetcar gig, dude, I guarantee you could get on with the streetcar union right now. Why yeah. not? I, why not? My mom does not care at all about what I do. And my whole family thinks it's funny. And they think it's a lark that I became the guy that I did, but they never valued it. Right. Aside from do good work and represent yeah. the family nicely. Well, it shows. Uh, it definitely shows in, show. in, yes. in your character. And, you know, we go back a long way. And, and, I, and again, I have such a, there's a, a Yiddish word. I'll screw it up, but it's beshert. And what it means is kind of a, a, a feeling of familiarity. Yeah. And, and in Jewish culture, we sort of use it when you're in an area of town that the Jewish people live. You feel beshert. And I felt that the day I saw you in the middle of fucking nowhere. And it, and, it, and, and it feels that way when we talk to you now. And, did you uh, shirt yourself? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, well, I, I live in I live in a very orthodox neighborhood right now. By oh, the way, like, <laughs> I live in possibly the most most orthodox neighborhood in the west coast of North America, and I am the only one who is not who lives here. And it's really funny when they see me pulling down the street in my El Camino, taking care of my friend's Doberman Pinscher, wearing my cut off Venom T shirt. <laughs> uh, I, I answer the door naked half the time because I'm just jumping out of whatever, and it's um it's it's so the but the beshert you're talking yeah. about. Is how they make me feel. Well, that's fantastic. And, By the way, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, off the air, I'll give you some secret Yiddish phrases you can use. You. George Strombo, Thanks, uh, George. and the uh, the show is on six o'clock Pacific on Apple, uh, all over the world. And uh, thanks for taking some time with us this morning, kid. I it's love, always great seeing you guys. Always will. Likewise, love you Thanks, too, man. George. There's George Strombolopoulos. Yeah, very. See, see. Mm-hmm. Even though I didn't go to the mountain town where it snows, you know, how, George. <laughs> by the way, before you go, do you know how I'm never gonna fucking hear the end of that for weeks? <laughs> Seriously, it'll be weeks now. <laughs> I get George Strombolopoulos. George Strombolopoulos has been there, Howard. No, that right. Okay. You know, it's no one likes it when mommy and daddy fight. George, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. <laughs> Here's George Strombo. You know, um, George said something about uh, your son. And if I may take a second and compliment you as well. You know, I I have this great memory. You know, I I worked with Danny Fred's son off and on in some television. And then a few years has sort of gone by and Danny and I uh, hadn't worked together for a while. And I was invited on George's talk show. He had a bunch of comics on and I probably did. I don't know, three or four appearances. And the first time I went there, I run into your son backstage because Danny had been hired. I want to say he was doing what he had been doing photography. He was taking pictures. Yeah, Yeah, probably. He wasn't just doing, he wasn't doing Mm -hmm. camera at the time. And I just remember this sweet feeling. You want to talk about a feeling of family. It was me and George and your son 
And uh, I just there was somebody who took a picture of the three of us, and I thought, you know, it's just sort of sort of full circle and how cool because Danny would have been the age at that time that George would have been when you oh, yeah. and I first met George. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why that that sticks in my memory. I just remember it seeing it just was a sweet. You know, you're mm-hmm. backstage at a TV show. You don't really... I mean, other than George, I didn't know anybody. And then I mm-hmm. ran into your kid. Yes, memories. Good people. We've been uh, so lucky over the years <laughs> and to we, do what we've done and meet who we have. And, yeah. <laughs> and by the way, I love... What I loved about that, too, is when I started to talk about how George would sit around with us after the show and, and tell us stories. <laughs> Remember some of those conversations? Oh, yeah. I didn't want... Listen, I'm not going to bring it up, and neither should you, but they were pretty... It was pretty funny, and I love the fact that 30 years later, you can still get a smile on your face mm-hmm. recalling some of the things that a, you know, a 20-something was telling these guys in their 30s. Like, things had changed pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. But you know what doesn't change, Fred? This. The Chambers plan? Yes. No, it never changes. Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. I'll tell you what doesn't change much are the premiums. They've done a great job in holding the line over the years. You know, these trying times. But as Brett Tanner told us last week, uh, our go-to guy, uh, that, yeah, they take pride in that. And it's very important for small businesses to hold the line on expenses. So the chamber plan makes sure they're on top of that. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter how big your business is, whether it's one, 100 employees. Small business can have a benefits package through the chamber plan. Yes, go to chamberplan.ca, get a free quote today. You know, it's prescriptions and it's dental and it's travel insurance and uh, different types of therapies. And, well, all the things that you would expect out of a benefits package are available through the Chambers of Commerce group insurance plan chamberplan.ca oh and look at that howard has left the room obviously he has to urinate is this going to be a common thing now it really is the urgency to urinate for this man in his early 60s with the stinging people <laughs> and this one uh, this one tends this one seems to be a bit longer like, you've, you've been gone for a couple of minutes now. All I can see is a microphone in an empty room as he urinates. There, that's great. It's super. And you know what, Howard? What's we'll the matter? Out, we'll carve out a few minutes every day for this. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't. I can't hold it anymore. I know. I, I looked up and you were gone, and I knew exactly what the issue was. Yeah. Is it gonna... still stinging, though? Uh, no, I mean, I'm on the, uh, I got another week and a half of, uh, this anti, this antibiotic. Okay. Dan, turn your audio down. It, um, I'm, I'm on a, it doesn't sting as much. I mean, mostly it's gone, but, uh, the, <clears throat> so I just can't make it through the show anymore without having the, a You know, that urgent, you know, I suffered with that for years. The urgency, it's just so uncomfortable and inconvenient and, uh, yeah, it's horrid. Dan, you, Dan, we're getting some feedback from your audio Dan. Oh, I turned it off. It was. Well, it's still doing yes. it. Okay. I, I was still getting some looping there. I don't know what's going on. Hmm. Well, it's coming from you because it wasn't happening me. before you signed on. Is it happening right now? Um, I don't know. Maybe it's gone away. I didn't hear it that time. Okay. Um, 
we don't have time to read all the emails that we've gotten, but I do want to read this one that just came Hi, in. Guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Uh, <clears throat> Hi, guys, says Mike Davis. My favorite part of the show is the first 20 minutes or so when you fellas just rap about the news of the day, current events, weather in Panama City and La Quinta. I know you wonder sometimes if you're doing too much serious stuff, but you usually put a touch of humor into your conversation. And I think most of your listeners enjoy the show because we like you two old buggers. And then he puts in brackets, humble, get a cystoscopy. I'm 55 and I had one this past year. And while it's no fun, a good buddy of mine recently had his prostate removed. So better safe than sorry. I guess he's talking about the fact that, um, you know, I'm peeing so much. Don't change a thing about the show. It's great. And I love hearing the minutia of your lives. Example, Fred complaining about the price of oysters and other stuff. <laughs> safe travels home to you and your partners, lads. Sincerely, Mike in Cambridge. And you know what? I just thought that's a nice way mm-hmm. to sort of put an end to this uh, last couple of weeks experiment. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's what it was. It was a chance for us to try and, uh, I don't know, see how this would feel. You know, doing the show remotely like this. Mm-hmm. It feels mm-hmm. good. Real good. Okay, thanks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to your next tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can't get enough of your perspective. <laughs> anyway. We're gonna, you know what? We're going to join the Canadian Armed Forces and go fight for our Ukrainian friends. That's right. That's what right. we're going to do. Okay. I'm humbling, humbling Fred in a trench. Can you see that? Yeah. yeah. Howard's going, yeah, I'd shoot, but I got to piss first. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. What are your skills, fellas? <laughs> we'll be on the front lines. Who ordered? Is there anyone looking for some fart jokes? Um, by the way, before uh, we get uh, too carried away and uh, Dan Duran's news is coming up. I want to talk a little bit about our good friends at Go Daddy. Yeah, man. What about Go Daddy, Howard? Well, they power small business and entrepreneurs, and they've been doing so for over 25 years, servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. What? GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. There's no better time than now, right now, to get your ideas to the world. GoDaddy. With GoDaddy, you can find your domain, easily create your website, and finally bring it to life. With GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 support, they're also here to help you every step of the way. Yeah. You can even start your website for free with GoDaddy. No credit card is even required. Visit GoDaddy.ca to learn more. Um, it's not enough that uh, Toronto Mike has, uh, you know, this huge, successful podcast. He is also the producer of the Humble and Fred show. And on Thursdays, Toronto Mike likes to drop in and tell us about uh, things and, you know, all his, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know why he wants to come on the show. He's got his own show, way more successful than ours. But yet he finds this little corner. Uh, it's exciting for him. So, Dan, do you mind if Toronto Mike sits with us while you do the news? It'd be. Uh, I'm happy to have Mike as part of our uh, our little crowd here. Why not? I don't when know. Is, when is Mike going to produce? When is Mike going to produce the Dan Duran podcast? The word like it's just this. No, the situation begs for it. It's just the waiting Dan, to happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
Seriously. Dan, like, Mike, is there we... any room in your calendar to produce Cock Talk with Dan Duran? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get Dan Duran to guest on Toronto Mike. Yeah, what? Well, why is that? <clears throat> we haven't worked on it hard enough. That's what it I, is. I don't know. Yeah. Mike, is that. Is it, no, Dan's kicked out the jammies, hasn't he? No. Dan has never been, been on. Dan's never been on Toast either? No. Wait Dan's a second. never been like an interview. Like I'm interviewing Dan Duran, legendary Dan Duran. 1,000 right. episodes. And uh, literally, who, honestly, every Canadian has been on Toronto Mike at this point, except for Dan mm-hmm. Duran. And, and I've tried. I've texted Dan. I've sent him emails. The only time Dan's voice Why? appears on Toronto Mike is that uh, on episode 1,000, he was on the Zoom when you guys recorded your. Oh, your I see. Okay. So you Why? do hear Dan there. Why, Dan? Why? Dan, what is holding you back? You're a broadcast legend. Yeah. I don't know. I just haven't uh, gone around to it yet, I guess. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. It's only been 10 what? years. It's not, it's not like getting around to. The man says, will you guest on the show? And you say yes or no. Fred, he's making it sound like paperwork. I've got to, I've got to get into my paperwork, and then I'll get on <laughs> Toronto Mike. Of course. This is bullshit. All right. All right. Set that up, then, Mike. Okay, we'll set it up. All right, you what? should have your own podcast, and the name could be something like "The Long and the Long of It." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, okay. So Cock Talk is out. Yeah. Long and the Long of It. Okay, fine. <laughs> how about how about I'm how about Dan Duran's Long and Winding Toad or something on it? Um, swing, swing low with Dan Duran. All right. Maybe this is why Dan doesn't want to come on your show. <laughs> Well, you know what? It's real talk and hard hitting. I'm sure that Boone would spend a lot of time on Dan's member. He'd have to. It's legendary. Well, listen, that would be hour three. Um, <laughs> the first two hours is uh, the Didsbury years, then Lloyd Minster, and how he met me, and then you, and then the trailer. Baldwin Jr. High. Yeah, exactly. Um, Freddie and I. Frederick, yes. are you all mm-hmm. done? Everything you need to do? Sherpsy. Okay. I gotta do the um, Sherpsy. Well, then hang on a second, everyone, because uh, Dan Duran's news today is going to be brought to you by our very, very good friend, the retirement Sherpa. Dan? I mean, Fred or whoever? Somebody. Well, Tim uh, Tim Niblett is a uh, portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh, Tim, available uh, at your service, both sides of the border. Yes, he's licensed on both sides of the border. So regardless of where you're listening, he can help you. He can build you a portfolio from scratch. He can have a second look at what you got to tell you whether you're on the right track. And he's the guy to tell you whether you're on the right track. Believe us. Believe you me. He's the Retirement Sherpa. RetirementSherpa.ca And uh, I want to mention Canna Cabana again today. Full disclosure. I, I forgot yesterday. I don't, you know, it happens. In between, you know, doing the show and then trying to time when I can go have a leak. Canna Cabana is your one-stop cannabis shop. I think you probably understand that by now. The largest selection of cannabis brands. The largest. And accessories. You'll find everything you need to, as Canna Cabana says, get a little island time. For less, shop their menu of dried flour, vapes, edibles, concentrates, bongs, dab rigs, and more. All at unbeatable prices. 
the highest THC for less. And we're not talking about, you know, I mentioned this earlier, we're not talking about crappy weed. We're talking about the best weed at the best prices. Get on the board here. Get on board. I should say, get on the board. Get on board with Canna Cabana. Join the club for free and start saving immediately. Canna Cabana, official weed sponsor of the Humble and the Fred Show. And now, now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dandoran, the anchorman comes As for credentials, he has none Can't tell a headline from his bum But his voice is nice and low Dandoran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now for the last time uh, For uh, this tour Live from Lakeside with Humble and Fred News, here's Anchorman and soon-to-be Toronto Mike podcast guest, Dan Daru. Yes, the Ukraine is being bombed by Russia and Canada's opposition parties are saying Trudeau's revoking the Emergency Act yesterday shows that it was obviously a mistake to do so in the first place. Let's just think about other things. Yes. Hey, did, did you know that London Fashion Week wrapped up a couple of days ago? So you can uh, Google for um, uh, interesting fashion trends for a happy distraction. How about that? Yeah. Okay. You know, I like to see what's out there with with the uh, wacky stuff the runways are showing. Yeah. Well, I excuse me again. Um, I remember fashion TV when it first came on. You saw a lot of boobies, and I would spend time watching. Mm -hmm. This is way back, maybe late eighties. Remember. They would show all spend? these. Yeah, they would show. They would show these uh, fashion shows from all over the world, and often there were boobies. Yeah. It was mm -hmm. good. Yeah, and uh, and uh, when that was in, when then you do go get the kids from school. Is that what you do? <laughs> <laughs> spend time with a Sears catalog in the lingerie section. <laughs> you know, there was a time you kids wouldn't remember, but you know, you had to search out boobs. You know, I did this. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, I guarantee that. Uh, well, you wouldn't, mm -hmm. Mike wouldn't relate to this, but Dan and I and Fred, we definitely, you know, got, you know, our first few uh, uh, erotic boners from a, a Sears catalog for sure. You know, the bra section of the uh, right. of this, uh, catalog, because that was the closest to boobs we were ever getting. Do you remember the first time that I opened this magazine, the first time I ever saw a snarch? And it was right, it was like, back then they had lots of like hair and bushy, oh, yeah. and it was like, sure. was, like I, it was like... It was life changing. Like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Oh no! Remember those moments? I I, I just I, I one of my favorite jokes uh, recently was I said I, I remember discovering my father's Playboy. You know when I was about twelve or thirteen mm -hmm. years old, and you know I was fascinated. In those days, they didn't have any snarch pictures, and mm -hmm. you know I said the joke was sort of I went I went steady with that magazine for two or three years, and I realized later in life that my dad and I were both using that magazine for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. It is. Okay, back to the. News. Back to, uh, now, okay. back to the news. All right, uh, Dan Duran. Go. Hey, Dan, uh, did you know that yeah, uh, Sonic Yoga has a new album out? It's called Breathe Into Being. Now turn that up a little bit. There we go. I love this band. Yeah, Sonic Yoga. 
It's on Spotify. Mm-hmm. This yeah. song is called A Gentle Insight. Yeah, it sounds like summer at the trailer to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. When, when there's Fred having himself a nice cold one, eh? And then all of a sudden, Dan Daru is blasting world music <laughs> to him. Sonic Yoga. Yeah. Hey, Dan Duran, do you have the Bob Saget story? Are you going to do it? No, I, you can go ahead and do it. I do not have it ready to go. I, I know you were talking about it yesterday, and, and uh, the question was whether or not Bob Saget, uh, you know, died as yeah. they said he did, or if there was some untoward stuff going on that we didn't understand. New details, Fred of Emers in the investigation. Autopsy results show Saget had fractures to the back of his head and around his eyes. Security cameras show that uh, he looked lucid and uninjured as he entered his hotel room. They now think that uh, they believe he lost consciousness in the bathroom of his hotel room after hitting his head on the marble floor. Police say he likely crawled into bed after regaining consciousness and died around 4 a.m. The cause of death, a blunt head trauma as a result of an accident. And when I read this, I was reading it, Dan sent me yesterday evening. I said to Rachel, I said, it's just such a, I don't it's so random. There was no foul play. What happened was he, he may have slipped. I mean, think about it. it all the things going on in a person's life, you know, get off stage, you're 65, you're invigorated, you can't wait to do the next show. Somehow you slip on the floor, you hit the back of your head, and it cracks your skull, like I said yesterday, like an egg. It starts to, the crack grows, and it goes all the way around to your eyes. You sort of lose consciousness, but you don't realize how injured you've been. And, like, it's... Listen, I know where life is precious, but it's not like he got into a car accident or he some you know even you could even almost think like what if somebody was angry at Bob Saget? But this was just he slipped and fell and and died. You know, in the injustice and unfairness of the world, like that happens to Bob Saget, who everyone loved. Like, why couldn't that big fat Donald Trump? Yes, Donald Trump. Why can't he fucking slip? Slip getting out of the shower and smash his head and then get up and smash it again and get up and smash it again. Yeah. Like, why can't that happen? Why can't Donald Trump just keep running into the fucking wall and running the wall yeah. until he again loses consciousness and dies? <laughs> anyway. He already did, and that's why he is the way he is. Yeah. Um, I read an interesting quote from the photographer Franny Leibowitz, who has lived in New York City and photog- photographed some of the most famous people in the world. And, and it's an old quote of hers around the time that Trump was running. And she said, you know, the most dangerous thing about Donald Trump is how incredibly stupid he is, how really incredibly dumb the man is. She says, yes, he may seem crazy, but that's not as dangerous as to how dumb he is. Dan Duran, thank you for your news this morning. Yeah. In the mean, mm. and all the while, you've, I, notice has been served somewhere in the next 1,000 episodes. Dan Duran is going to make his Toronto Real Talk podcast debut. And we still really, we, we, we still really didn't get an answer as to why. Like he's, he's well, he, can't, he hasn't gotten around to it. He's been busy the last 10 years. Well, that's not good enough. All right. <laughs> okay. Toronto Mike is here. Toronto Mike, uh, thanks uh, to uh, uh, Mike. He somehow wormed our mention into the broadcast dialogue uh, piece. I thought that was nice. 
I had actually nothing to do with that. I think they listened to episode 1000. And in that episode, uh, I give you guys full credit. There's a lot of humble and Fred love in that first half hour. Well, you mentioned that the first 19 episodes of uh, Toronto Mike, the podcast, which is so far not included, Dandarin, mm-hmm. um, was recorded in our 30th Avenue studios. Yep. Uh, Mike, can you remind me, was it in the... I guess it was in the original studios, the one in Wixon's yeah. office? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So the first 19 episodes, I'd go to 30th Street, and uh, you guys had that... You know where the aquarium was? Yeah. In that part of Redfish? Yeah, and I would record it there with Rosie. And then it wasn't until episode 20 that I started recording in my home. And what was the the reason? Like, did you just decide, hey, I could get this equipment and just put it in my house? Yeah, like the first, you know, you don't know if you're going to stick with something. So it was nice to use your gear, right? And then Mm -hmm. basically at some point I realized I was going to make a serious go of this and I needed to sort of own the means of distribution. So I had to invest in some uh, quality gear. I mean, this mic I bought, I bought it 10 years ago and I used it for that episode 20. So I'm still using it here. Episode 1004 records at 1 p.m. This microphone I'm using, I bought in 2005. There you go. There you and go. It's, yeah. And we've so been through a lot, and this one sounds the best than any of them. Yeah, Crazy. and this, I'm trying to think mm-hmm. when, where along the way did we get, because you and I have used these microphones in our real yep. broadcasting lives. Yes. Those these Sennheisers. Uh, I think we purchased those, Howard, like maybe 2012, 11, almost out of the gate, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Microphone technology hasn't changed a whole lot over the millennia. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could talk about that on your appearance with Mike. Maybe you could talk about could the do, history. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> I spent some time. Uh, now, Humble and Fred, I, uh, I also dropped your names. I don't know when was the last time the names Humble and Fred were dropped on CBC Radio 1. Yeah, talk about that. You were on with Jill Deacon. Uh, you had recorded that prior, but the, the interview with you ran uh, last night? Yeah, like I was busy. At, they wanted me on at 5.20 p.m. I actually was recording with a client, so I recorded it at like 2.30 p.m. or thereabouts. And uh, it aired yesterday. I did record it. So if you go to torontomike.com, I actually have the uh, audio there. But yeah, I got 10 minutes on Here and Now with George nice. Deacon last night. Yeah, well, CBC Radio, I'm sure Dan heard it, right, Dan? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I haven't yet. <clears throat> I don't listen to it 24-7 like you think I do, but, okay. you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but I made sure to say Humble and Fred uh, as part of my superhero origin story. And uh, yeah, you know, and there's something happening Sunday, which I'm pretty psyched about. I got a, a tip that the Toronto Star is going to have a feature on uh, episode 1000 of Toronto mike on Sunday. So that, that'll that be wild, too. So, wow. How did you know. finagle that? <laughs> no, I don't know. But they sent a photographer over and everything. So uh, Sunday, buy your Toronto Star. <laughs> so yeah, it's been nice. wild because broadcast dialogue did something today, and that's where you saw the 19 episodes at Humble and Fred. So it's been kind of wild that all this mm-hmm. is tied to the fact I numbered my episodes. Like, there's nothing going on different that hasn't been going on for 10 years, but mm-hmm. I happened to name it. I numbered them, so I did a big five-hour and 40-minute episode 1000, and suddenly people want to talk about it. It's kind of wild. So you know, Mike, that stuff works. You <laughs> uh, you could break up your uh, shows. To get a higher number, like you know, know. your five-hour episode could have been five <laughs> episodes. I refuse on principle, Dan. 
Ah, to yeah, go maybe that'll be the kind of thing you talk about when you finally make your Toronto <laughs> mic debut. <laughs> I would never do that. I make Fred listen to, not that Fred would ever do this, but five hours and 40 minutes, you got to kind of earn your earn your badge. You know, you got to... And, and I'm surprised how many people are writing me and sending me notes and tweeting, like, just finished episode uh, 1000. Like, that's a serious investment, five hours and 40 minutes. I don't think I've listened to five hours and 40 minutes of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I can guarantee you I haven't. No, I know. I haven't heard five hours and 40 minutes of my own show, but I will be trying, you know, if I, when I go up to that pioneer town in this, uh, the mountains and Fred's adamant that I visit. <clears throat> hey, Mike, we're uh, done. Uh, this is our last show until the 7th of March. Right. No, I mean, are, no you still produce, are you still producing our show? I can't I remember. I actually now. been working hard all I week know. on uh, best of episodes for next week. So yeah, I saw them on the uh, FTP. Uh, oh yeah, I, yeah, you, you saw. Them. Yeah, so tell That's us, right. it's going to be cool next week. Mike's put together uh, four different shows. Is there a theme this time, or you want to tell us about it? No, it's more like memorable things that happened back in the day. And I'll just tease the first one I think I'm going to drop is Frank Sinatra Jr. because right. it was such a surreal visit from uh, Frank Sinatra Jr. That I think it's and it's been so long since that was you know aired. I just think it'd be interesting to revisit that one. And there's some other interesting visits uh, that are up next week. Well, the the French. Sure. I don't want to give but too much away. Let me just talk live show. Oh, go well, ahead. no, I was just gonna say the, the the if you're listening on Monday, if you haven't heard it, if you're a hundred p, if you have, but for you people that are new. We had Frank Sinatra Jr. in our studio, the one that Mike's talking about. Literally, it was a, it was a tiny office. We sat across from each other on Fred's dining room table. You know, and this guy comes in. He's Frank Sinatra's kid. He thinks he's on the real radio. He thinks right. that we're actually broadcasting. And when Fred and I realized that, we're like, <laughs> like should we should we say something? Is and then we and and he did our little promo, which we did with everyone after the show. And it was it right. was surreal for a, a bunch of reasons. But have a listen to it because you can sort of hear Fred and I. And- Keep in mind, this is the part of town where shit's going down. Yeah. So I just always wonder, what does he think when he's kind of dodging the stray bullets and stuff? And in the industrial section of Etobicoke. And then, and not long after, he up and dies. Right. That's right. Another another victim of the Humble and Fred death chair. Uh, okay, Mike, mm. what do you want to tell people before we wrap it up here from the United States of America? So we're back at the regular time on March 7th, as uh, Howard said. So that would be the uh, the 7.30 a.m. Eastern start. And the guests that week are as follows. You've got uh, Bill Brio for his monthly. He's the first Monday of every month. And Tom Wilson from uh, Junk House and Blackie and the Rodeo Kings. Who He's the guy I played that clip a couple of weeks ago that he... Uh, Loves you, even though he should hate you, because you didn't record his big uh, appearance last time. You forgot to press record. So mm-hmm. he returns. And Tony Clement, I know he jumped on today because there's breaking news, but he's in the his regular appearance is going to be on Wednesday. And this will be interesting, too. Thursday, Freeway Frank is going to come on the program, and he's got some alternate views on reality that you guys are going to chat about. Wow. Oh, he agreed to come on. Well, I'll give him that. He was actually upset that I made him Zoom because he wanted to be in the studio. I think he lives in a world where, you know, we're not in a pandemic. Well, what studio did he want to be in? How would he be in the studio? He lives in Quebec. He's making a trip to Toronto and he wanted to tie it around that and come in studio. Oh, I see. Okay. I said, we're not actually doing that right now. So he's... (sighs) 
It's funny, you booked him, and then in, Howard and I were listening to some of his stuff, and we had the conversation. Do we have the energy? Like, it's so full of stupid that... Anyway, but... Well, you know, shot. he's in the calendar now, so All I right. think make the most of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thanks to um, George Strombolopoulos, and uh, thank you, uh, Dan Duran, for your service mm-hmm. doing the news. We appreciate all your help. And Toronto Mike, thanks for setting everything up as usual. And uh, congratulations on all your successes. And uh, Freddie, travel safely. I guess we'll, 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 uh, I'll be in touch with you next week. You're, gonna be, uh, you're going to New Orleans tomorrow? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Going to get up early, go to New Orleans for two or three nights. Um, you know, on some level, it's Mardi Gras, eh? like from yeah, end of January to early March or something. Mm-hmm. It's not parade day where I could throw beads at women again to see their boobies. But you know what will happen is people will be throwing beads at you to see your yes. boobies. Yes. And they'll say, that, that, that woman, man, has some nice boobies. I had them renewed. I know you did. Mm. Before you sign off from the United States, do you want to hear a comment from Jay Mack on your Facebook page? No, I just page? read it. It's no, just stupid. You have no energy for that? No, fuck. Yeah, let's hear it. He's, he's given up on you guys. Okay, go ahead and read it. Fuck. Okay. Me. Do you want to read it, Mike? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to read it. Yeah, because it's in front of me here. I've given up on Humble and Fred for the final time. They mm-hmm. give you such inaccurate information. They're mean mm-hmm. about the USA, which, by the way, uh, will have to defend Canada again. Fred knows zero about Western Canada. Mm-hmm. The two of them has beans. I just the two of them are six- has beans. Sorry. Yes, I'm. Uh, I don't have my glasses. I just compared six ribeye steaks bought at Costco near Palm Springs with my sister's identical ribeyes from a Costco in Toronto. Anyways, blah blah blah. He'd like to see that bill. And okay, wait. Uh, you guys are ridiculous. I live here. People are fabulous. Uh, kind and considerate and everyone wears masks i've now done i'm now done with these two old men whose best time is behind them clearly and, you know the funny thing is i always said where people were kind and considerate and we said yes. people were wearing masks and mm-hmm. you know what oh, fine j mac you know hey, here's i'm at the age now yeah, i don't care you don't have to listen yeah. and, and what did howard that conversation when you brought up western canada you can speak from experience what did i say yeah i've never been out there i can't fully appreciate like i i believe i said those words and i believe you acknowledge the fact that western canada has a different but again, I'm not surprised. I know what the guy's all about. Give me 10 minutes with that guy, and I'll tell you exactly what he's all about. I mean, it, it, it comes screaming through, and we don't want people like that listening to the show. You know, so. there was a time in our careers when we had to be a bit more conscious, and I was certainly more self-conscious about losing or gaining listeners. Yeah. But I am now uh, just past my 62nd birthday. And Jay yeah. Mack, you know what, my friend? All the best to you and your family. I wish no harm upon you. Mm-hmm. Feel free to fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Feel you free. Know. Enjoy that. Enjoy your fucking and, awayness. Yeah, we've been around the block too many times. We yeah. know we can we can read between those J Mac lines. Believe me. Uh, and to everyone that's listened the last couple of weeks, thanks for allowing us to do this. Uh, whatever. I mean, we appreciate you listening through the, I don't know, auditorially, auditorially wise. Dan, what's the word I'm looking for? Audio, audio wise. I don't think it sounded much, you know, much different. Not really. No. Mike, what As are your thoughts? About I thought it sounded great. Like I was impressed for all seven uh, remote episodes at how you didn't miss a beat at all. Like, 
And uh, again, we will be back uh, in Toronto uh, for our next live program, March 7th. Stay well, everyone. Cross our fingers that this doesn't escalate any further. Although, you know, I've, I've lost the ability to uh, predict something you know, unprecedented coming. So all the best. Freddie, travel safely, guys. Dan, do your thing. Suck it on it. Suck it. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, ODOG, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, and GoDaddy. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and don't forget, new shows will return from Canada on March 7th. Habitations in the towns we know, a place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow, pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone, bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands.